The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and there he found Philip, and he said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the town of Andrew, the town of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one about whom Moses wrote in the law, and also the prophets, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. But Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come from Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said, Here is a true child of Israel. There is no duplicity in him. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, I saw you beneath the fig tree. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Do you believe... Because I, told you, I, because I told you I saw you beneath the fig tree. You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Amen, amen, I say to you, you will see the sky opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Have a seat. Who remembers the story of Jacob's ladder? Who remembers the story of Jacob's ladder? Jacob went to sleep. And while he was asleep, he saw a ladder or a staircase or a light going up into heaven. And who was going up and down the ladder, up and down the staircase? Right? 
So when we pray, we try and open ourselves up because we realize the way that we're supposed to be, ultimately, the way that we want to be in the end is up and open and facing God. Today is a sad day. There's black in the church in ways you've probably never seen before. Some of the grown-ups you've never even seen before. Black's the color that we associate with mourning or sadness. At funerals, most people wear black. For a long, 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 long time, the priests wore black too, and you can see, even on my white, what's in the middle? Why? Because it's a sad day. Because I'm a little sad. And because, and I know this is counterintuitive, right? I know this isn't what you'd think, because what the grown-ups are usually trying to do is make you happy. I want us all to feel just a little bit sad today. I don't want you to be so sad you can't, like, function. I don't want you to be so sad you can't do class or, or even have some fun recess. But I do want you to be a little bit sad today. Because today, in Rome, just a few hours ago, the Holy Father, Pope Francis, buried this man. Who's this guy? Pope Benedict. Now, Pope Benedict was the Pope before Pope Francis. The Pope's the head of the church. He's the bishop in charge of the other bishops. And he's the bishop of Rome, which is why he was buried in Rome. Pope Benedict's not from Rome. Anybody know where Pope Benedict is from? Yes. Maybe it is? Yeah, back. Yes. Worst thing can happen is you'd be wrong. That's not a bad thing. It's a European country and it starts with a G. Germany. Germany. So Pope Benedict is from Germany. Now, anybody knows anything about Germany knows in the last century there was a very bad war. It's a very wicked man called Hitler decided to hurt as many people as he could. And Pope Benedict was your age when all that was going on. And he suffered a lot during that time. And when the war was over and he survived it, he decided he was going to give his life to making sure that sort of thing never happened ever again. And he did. And so far, so good. Pope Benedict was, well, he was a kind of person that I'll probably never see again, and that you all may never see in, in your lifetimes. He was a leader of a big, 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 big group, the church, right? But he wasn't like a lot of leaders are. You know, most people that are in charge of things, they're real comfortable in public. They like talking like this, like I do right now, right? In some ways, they're more like me that way, right? You guys know that I like coming out here and talking to you, right? And you kind of look forward to it each week. I look forward to it. Well, Pope Benedict, he was a very quiet man. In class, he'd often kind of sit in the back. He'd ask questions if he had a question, but he might go a whole class period without asking a question. This is before participation class. He, he, he was simply a very quiet, very thoughtful person. He didn't have lots and lots and lots of friends. He only had a handful of friends, but they were very, 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 very close. 
You know the kind of person I'm talking about? You know the kind of difference that I'm pointing to? And this is important, boys and girls, because sometimes I think, we think, that in order to be a leader, in order to be effective at being in charge of people or groups, that we've got to be loud and out and in charge, or we've got to be bossy, always telling other people what to do, or, or, or we've got to be trying to make everybody do what we want them to do. And that is, that is not how Pope Benedict was a leader. In fact, Pope Benedict did something that most other folks don't, in that the people that he had closest to him, the people that he had advised him, giving him advice, and, and helping him make big and important decisions, were on purpose not the people that agreed with him. He had a whole group of people who he knew would always disagree with him, that he would bring in to basically argue with him to talk him out of decisions. That's a very brave thing to do. That takes a very, very strong character to be able to keep people nearby that you know are going to press you and push you and, and maybe even make you want to do things you don't want to do. But he did that because he knew he was a very, very smart man. And he knew that very, very smart people have a tendency to think that they're right all the time. Because they are right more often than the rest of us. And he knew that was dangerous. So he kept these people around as a kind of insurance policy to make sure he didn't make big mistakes. It didn't work all the time, but it worked a lot of the time. But here's the thing, and this might be the most important thing he ever taught us. He didn't just use those people for advice. He made friends with them. He had them over for dinner. They played cards together. Or he was a great musician. He loved to play the piano. He, he had them over for dinner and played the piano for them afterwards. When I was uh, a very young priest, just a couple of years ahead of where, where Michael is, and I was studying in Rome, I one day got to go to a, a dinner party. Um, it was bigger than a dinner party in somebody's house, but it wasn't huge. It was only like maybe 200 people. So about 200 people that are here. And you know who was at the party? Pope Benedict. It was a, a, a party with a lot of German people, and I was one of the only non-German people there. It was like a party for the German people who lived in Rome. And, and I got to see the Pope sitting there with a great big mug of beer and a giant pretzel. I still have the picture someplace. But he, he was just having the time of his life. And that's very important, right? Because sometimes when we see people on the news or, or on the internet and, and we know they're important and live far away, we can kind of think of them like they're imaginary, like they're not quite real. But no, they're just as real. In a lot of ways, Pope Benedict was just like a grandpa. He was a priest from another country. But he was, he was, he was in many ways, a very ordinary old man who did some really extraordinary things. When a pope dies, because the pope is the head of the universal church, it's not just his friends or his family that get together to be sad for him. It's the whole church. And so the whole church celebrates a mass like we are today that is basically a funeral, but without the person there. What's a funeral? What's a funeral? I know some of us have been to funerals. Not all of us have been to funerals. But 
What we do at the altar does good for the people that we pray for when we're here, whether those people are alive or whether those people are dead. And it's very, very important, very, very important to pray for, for the dead, for our, for our dead family members and friends, and especially important dead people. Because when a person has been important, when they've been given authority or power over somebody else, they can make mistakes that ordinary people can't. You think about it this way. If you start, Jerry, if you get a fight with one of your classmates, and you guys have a big blow up in the middle of the classroom, and, and Ms. Hoffmeister sends you down to the principal's office, who have you sinned against? Hands. And the person that you fought, right? So, so, so when she does that, she's sinning against God, the person she can fight with. But if Ms. Hoffmeister loses it and yells at everybody equal, and, and, and throws everybody out of class and sends them all to the principal's office. Who's she sitting against? Everybody, right? Everybody. Well, when we're given authority or power over somebody, we can hurt, we're able to sin in a way we couldn't sin before. And so it's very important that we pray for our deceased leaders, for our dead leaders, because they have a chance to mess up in ways that most of us have. And so they need our support after death, probably even more than before. Which is why all over the world today, and over the course of the next eight or nine days, people will be doing the same thing we're doing here. Praying for Pope Benedict, asking God to be merciful to him, and thanking God for the gift of his life. When we do something like this, and this also is very important, boys and girls, we're, we're, we're not saying that the person was perfect. That's a great danger at funerals. When somebody dies, because when somebody dies, we get sad because we miss them, and and, and so we want to make ourselves feel better, and so we try to make the person look and feel better than they actually were. That's a big mistake. That's a big mistake. Most people are kind of a mix of good and bad stuff, right? Like you and like me, and it's important that we be very very honest about that, so that we don't um, neglect our love for the people that we care about even after they die. So, I want you to come to the, I want you to be present at the rest of Mass today. I want you to listen to the prayers and, and pray the way that we usually would. But I want you to especially pray for this old man that most of you probably know almost nothing about, except that he's from Germany and Father Psalm if you're in Preston. Because, whether you realize it or not, he did great good for you. And because, whether he meant to or not, he certainly did great harm to you. And the person who's willing to, to chance or to risk having done harm in order to do good, but for our sake, that person deserves our love. And hopefully, they can help us